The reading this morning is taken from 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 4 to 14. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone it is the same God at work. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. We were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. This is the word of the Lord. Hello. Hooray. Why do I always do that? I thought I was on already. Sorry about that. Let me add my welcome to Rachel's. My name's Kath, and I um, also help to lead this wonderful church, All Saints. Um, I was just joking with Rachel as I put this rather fetching mic on this morning. I've never worn one of these before. I was saying how much like Madonna I felt. What do you think this morning? I was, do I put my hair over or under? I wasn't quite sure. So hopefully you agree that I've worn it in the best possible way. What do you think? <laughs> um, the title of the talk was supposed to be I Am Gifted, but I've been slightly naughty and changed the title. I hope you won't mind. Um, I'm actually going to speak on I Am Empowered. However, we will be covering the gifts. Do not panic. So, we um, have been, as Rachel said earlier, doing a series on identity here at All Saints in the morning and evening. We're roughly halfway through, and we've covered all sorts of things, including being children of God, the fact that we're free, that we're known, and that we're created. And if you haven't been here or had the opportunity to hear them, do catch up. They're now online, and there's some great talks to catch up with. This morning, I'm going to suggest that we can only fully understand and live out our identity as followers of Christ if we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. And if that's all you take away today, take that away. We as Christians need to be empowered to do what we're called to do and to experience the identity that we're called to. 
So the plan is, we're going to do a bit of talking. I'm going to do a bit of talking. Hopefully, you're not going to do a bit of talking. <laughs> We've got a short interview, and then we're going to make lots of time to apply this. And we're going to be inviting the Holy Spirit to come and empower us. So just to remind us that the heart behind this series is that we're reminding ourselves who we are. And it might be that you're a fully signed up Christian here this morning who is um, in relationship with God and fully um, gets this identity thing. But it might be that you're here and you perhaps it's the first time you've been and you have never really thought about relationship with God. But maybe you've got just as many questions and that you're asking what is the purpose of life? Why are we here? What's it all about? Whoever you are and wherever you're coming from, my hope is that as we talk about identity, you might have some of your questions answered, but actually, I also hope that you'll have lots more questions um, set off in your mind. So, I was dusting off my CV this week, as you do, and it's been rather a long time since I looked at this particular document. Um, I've been working at home for the last 10 years and doing various other bits and pieces. Actually, I do work. I do work in a school, but it's a very small amount. Um, so I was having a look at my CV. And as I looked through, I was reminding myself of all the paid work and the voluntary work that I've done in the past. And, you know, it kind of gets a bit stale. You kind of forget what you've done. And it was kind of like reminding myself of my identity as I went through, reminding myself of who I was. Of course, not that I am what I do or what my education has been. I'll just put that out there, don't worry. But there's something about looking at the common threads of your life that reminds you of who you are and your unique identity, what you've been put here to do. And it made me think, that's kind of like what we're doing in this series we're reminding ourselves of who we are as followers of Jesus and what's on our CV. We're loved, we're adopted, we're chosen. Paul spoke last week about how we're known, how we're more than conquerors and the list goes on and on. Of course, the difference between my CV and this CV that we're talking about, is that we haven't had to do one ounce of work to gain the credentials that are on our CV, on the identity that we have as followers of Jesus. In fact, what happens, and I hope you like this analogy, is that Jesus's CV becomes our own. But how do we embrace the life and the identity that Jesus offers. And I want to suggest this morning that it's simple, but not easy. It's simple because in order to gain these CV credentials of a Christian, we just need to say a heartfelt yes to following Jesus and to choosing his way instead of our own. And maybe you've never done that. Maybe you're here and you've never said that heartfelt yes to Jesus. And I want to suggest that it's that simple. 
It's just about choosing to believe that he is who he says he is and choosing to follow him. But it's not easy because in order to live out our life and continually choose this way, it's like we're swimming against the current of our culture because we're going a different way. So as Rich spoke about a few weeks ago, part of embracing our identity in Christ is about reminding ourselves, like we've been saying, of the truths about us and choosing to believe them. So it's about making this choice again. But here's the good news, because help is on hand as we swim against the tide. You see, Jesus lived as a human, didn't he? And he knew it was going to be tough. So when he went to heaven, he sent us a helper. So John 14, 26 says, but the helper, which is also translated as the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, the counsellor, the strengthener, the standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, which also means my place, to represent me and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things, and he will help you remember everything that I have told you. So in this passage, Jesus is telling his disciples the bad news that he's going to heaven and he's not going to be with them in bodily form anymore. But the great news is that he was encouraging them that he was still going to be with them. He was never going to leave them because he was going to send his Holy Spirit. Jesus was going to be present through his Holy Spirit. But not only was he going to be present with them, He was going into a stage where he was going to empower them through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And this empowering would enable, it would enable Jesus' followers to live in his strength and his power, which would help them to become like him and therefore represent him in the world. It was, it was almost like he was saying, you're going to become mini Jesuses. That is our commission, isn't it? We are commissioned to become mini Jesuses. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit within us. So here's the key. The Holy Spirit empowering us is key to us walking in our identity as Christians. This, the Holy Spirit is key to how God's designed it. And and we literally can't do the kingdom life without this part. So, let's talk a little bit more about the Holy Spirit. And I want each of you to pretend that I'm just having a one-on-one conversation with you right now. I'm looking you in the eye. And I'm asking you, what 
do you think and how do you feel when I mention, when I start talking about the Holy Spirit? And I wonder what each of you would be thinking and feeling were we to be having that conversation. And I imagine there'd be a great variety of responses. I think some of you would be like, yes, bring it on. I I love the Holy Spirit. I'm so up for all that he does and empowers us to do. I know that some of you would would say, do you know, I don't really understand this Holy Spirit thing. I've heard about it. I hear about it every week. You keep going on about it. But actually, I don't really completely understand it. Others of you, your hackles might have risen slightly because perhaps you've had a bad experience. Perhaps you're wary for some reason. Perhaps you're scared of the Holy Spirit because you don't like losing control. Maybe you've actually looked into it quite a bit and you're theologically unconvinced. Or maybe you've never even heard of it before. Maybe this is your first time and you've never heard about this Holy Spirit thing. Whatever it might be, what I'm asking you to do right now is to be aware of your response as I say those words, the Holy Spirit, and just to become aware of where you are right now with this whole area. Because sometimes just being aware helps us to take stock and move forward, doesn't it? And I would really encourage you, if you do have questions or fears, talk to someone about it. Talk to people in the church. Don't keep it to yourself. Have the conversations. And maybe this morning you might even just be challenged that you perhaps need to take a fresh view in this area. So I remember when iPhones came out. Do you remember? It feels like quite a long time ago now, doesn't it? I think we were in New Zealand at the time where we used to live. And I'm going to tell you that when they first came out, I was pretty wary. I just wasn't sure about this whole new kind of smartphone concept. I didn't really understand what made them so exciting. I didn't really know how to use them, certainly to my advantage. And quite honestly, I was really happy with my little blocky Nokia. Do you remember them? I was really happy. I could text from them. They did everything I could ever imagine a phone ever doing for me. On the other hand, Rich was very excited about them and didn't stop going on about the new iPhone. In fact, he didn't stop going on about them until he got one. And actually, the more excited he got, the more stubborn I got about how useless they were, how we did not need them, and all the rest of it. I bet you can't imagine that, can you? So he got a phone, got one of these iPhones, and little by little I watched on and I could begin to see the potential power that this little iPhone, particularly for one who's so disorganized, um, the potential power that this little iPhone could have in my life. I might even admit that I was a little jealous. But here's the thing. Whilst I was watching on, I wasn't able to utilize its power for myself. 
Eventually, I was convinced and I jumped right in. And of course, whilst this comparison breaks down because iPhones can also be extremely destructive, overall, it's had a very empowering presence in my life, particularly on the organisation front. <laughs> my husband might disagree. <laughs> so, are we watching on or are we jumping right in when it comes to the power of the Holy Spirit? So the Holy Spirit, it's been around since the very beginning. Genesis 1-2 says that in the beginning, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Genesis also says that God breathed into Adam and Eve the breath of life. He, he literally brought them to life as the, uh, as the first perfect humans. And this is how they remained until they made the choice to break this perfect intimacy with God because they chose to eat from the tree of good and evil. Fast forward to Pentecost in Acts 2 which describes the moment that the Holy Spirit came upon the believers after Jesus had gone to heaven. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly the sounds like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So this Pentecost moment mirrors the moment in the Garden of Eden when God breathed life into the people he'd created. So Pentecost is the new covenant way by which God was empowering his people to become fully human. The Hebrew word for spirit is a word that's ruah. And it's this same word which is used at Pentecost for the spirit. So the same thing is happening. It's this mirroring. So let's note, God breathes life into Adam and Eve. And the Holy Spirit breathes into the church at Pentecost to restore humanity to how they were originally created. And let's not miss that it says in this passage that all of them were filled. Not just the keen ones or the holy ones, but every single one who was there. And the great news is for us that being empowered isn't about what we've done or haven't done. In fact, actually, if you look at the Bible, it's full of stories of broken people who did amazing things because they were empowered by the Spirit. So, story from my own life. I became a Christian or a follower of Jesus when I was at university. 
I sat in my room on my own, having heard a presentation about Jesus. And I decided that I was going to take this leap of faith and choose to put my trust in him. So at that point, according to the Bible, I received the, the promised Holy Spirit in my heart. Ephesians 1 says that when you believed in him, you were marked in him with a seal, which is the promised Holy Spirit. And I believe that decision changed the course of my life and that the Holy Spirit came to live in me. But it was only months later when a friend offered to pray for me to be filled with the Holy Spirit that I experienced the presence of God. And that night, having been filled with the Holy Spirit, something came alive in me and I was forever changed. And what I didn't know at the time is that this pattern is extremely biblical. So if you look in the New Testament, there are many examples of new Christians believing and then the Holy Spirit came and filled them through the laying on of hands. What I learnt over time is that this experience that I'd had of the Holy Spirit filling me it didn't have to be a one-off experience. In fact, I realized it was a free gift and I could keep asking it to fill me over and over again. And, and I really changed at this point. This was the moment that I really changed. I went from someone um, who was reluctantly dragged out by this Christian friend who I'd made. Um, on a Sunday night, I used to literally sneak out of my student house. I was so embarrassed to be a Christian, couldn't believe it. Um, he would drag, he'd phone me, are you coming? Oh, okay. And I'd sort of sneak out, really reluctant. And after this infilling of the Holy Spirit, I couldn't stop telling people about my faith. And in fact, I began to see people actually becoming Christians around me because it was just flowing out of me. Being empowered by the Holy Spirit makes everything that we do as Christians A, doable, but B, here's the good news, it actually makes it quite fun as well. However, I seem to constantly forget this, and often I'm ending up doing it in my own strength again, and I forget that I need the power of the Holy Spirit again and again to empower me and give me the strength and energy to do it. So, what does the Holy Spirit empower us to do? <clears throat> and as we've said, the Holy Spirit empowers us to represent Jesus. And because Jesus came to earth to love and to serve, the primary things that the Holy Spirit empowers us to do are to love selflessly and serve sacrificially. So just briefly, how does he empower us to love? The Spirit comes to confirm our identity as sons and daughters of God. He comes close and he helps us experience what is true about ourselves 
because he allows us to encounter the love and the grace of God deep in our hearts and not just to believe it in our heads. So my story is that I'd come to believe in Jesus, but I just hadn't experienced it in my heart. And that first night, after I'd experienced the power of the Spirit in my life, I just found myself weeping for hours and hours after I came back from church. And as I look back, it's because I, I just couldn't believe how good God was. I just was overwhelmed by his amazingness. I, I'd literally never encountered anything that made me feel so loved and safe. It was such a good experience. Galatians 4 says, God sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, which then causes us to cry out, Abba, Father, which means Daddy. We're talking about intimacy. And when we experience this perfect love, which comes from this supernatural being, we're empowered to go out and love others. And it becomes this thing that's not like this big effort, but it just flows out of us. And it's from this place of knowing love that we're best placed to serve. And here's the great news, is that God came up with the really good idea of enabling us to serve by empowering us with gifts. John Peters, who came and spoke in this church last year, um, has written a book and one of the things he says in this great book is that spiritual gifts are the power tools that all Christians need to get our particular job done, all of which lead to advancing the kingdom of God. So let's talk about the gifts. What are these gifts? So the passage that Jill read at the beginning from 1 Corinthians starts by saying, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. So the gifts it lists are wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, speaking in tongues, and interpreting tongues. Have you got any of those? You might be sitting here thinking, uh, actually, I don't really have any of those gifts, which might be true. Do you know what? Don't worry, because Paul in this passage isn't giving an exhaustive list. He's just giving some examples. There are plenty more that you might have. However, you might also be thinking, do you know what? I don't really know what my spiritual gifts actually are. And many of us can find ourselves in that situation. If you are one of those people, I've got two things that I'd like to recommend that you might want to do after this morning. 
One, and I've done this recently, is um, if you go on um, Google and just Google Willow Creek Spiritual Gifts Assessment, there's a really good little PDF that'll pop up and um, you can print it off and do a quick gifts assessment. I got someone to do it for me this week. Um, it takes about 15 minutes. I was considering doing it this morning, but it took a little bit too long. Um, but do go home and just download this, do it for yourself, and it, it gives you a quick idea of what your spiritual gifts might be. The other thing is that we're actually planning to do a spiritual gifts assessment workshop type of thing in the new year, so look out for details of that and come along. The key thing for us to remember this morning, though, is that it's all of the gifts and all of the kinds of service that are important. They're all equal because they're all essential so we can get the job done. And also, let's remember it's not us, but it's the spirit that is at work. So there's no room for jealousy or pride because actually our spiritual gifts are only useful in kingdom terms when they're empowered by the Spirit. John Peters again says, my good wishes don't make people better. Spirit-empowered healing does. My arguments don't convert people. Spirit-empowered words and deeds do. My good intentions don't change situations. But in spirit-empowered action, like the laying on of hands and spirit-directed prayer, that's what works. So that the kingdom is advanced as we express and exercise the gifts that we've been given. We have to actually use them for them to be of kingdom value. And one last bit to all this is that the only way Jesus can be fully represented is through the body, which is the church. So we need everybody, every single person needs to play their part. And it's only then that Jesus is fully represented. Jesus can't be fully represented just by one person playing their part. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says, The body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So imagine if we all had one gift. Imagine if we all had the gift of prophecy. How dull would that be? And actually, how useless would that be? We need everyone, every single one of you, to play their part so that we, the body, might function healthily. Paul is also reminding us that we're a unit. And, and it's just like in the army, isn't it, where they have units of people. And in, in this unit, each person, man and woman, has their, their role and their function to fulfill. And they, they have to remain in formation, don't they? So that they protect one another, they keep each other safe. Because if they don't, if they don't play their part, it makes the whole unit vulnerable. And it's just the same. 
the church is just the same. When we all play our part, when we're all empowered by the Spirit and then exercise our gifts, the body can function as it should. And then the kingdom of God advances. So I asked my friend Amy, um, who goes to the university here and comes to the evening congregation, to tell us a bit about her experience um, of being filled with the Spirit this year. And hopefully there is a video, because she can't make it this morning, and um, it should come up now. When did, you make, when did you make the decision to follow Jesus? So I started following Jesus, I'd say when I was 15, my best friend invited me to church uh, and then I was Chris, uh, confirmed when I was 16, so I'd say that was a time where I officially was like, yeah, but I know Jesus is there. Can you tell us about your experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit this year? So in May, John Peters came from London and had a day where he was teaching people how to pray for one another. Um, and he encouraged us all to go up for prayer, so I did in the morning session. Um, and a woman came over and started praying for me, and she said something that I'd never told anyone before. I, the only person that could have known it was God. There was no other way anyone else could know. So I knew that that was... God, I'd never experienced him before. Um, so I started to cry, but apparently that's one of the ways where the Holy Spirit can impact you. You can start crying or shaking, whatever, and that's just the way that I happened to deal with it. So I sort of went outside, took a breather, just trying to like take it all in and what just happened. Um, and then we had a couple more sessions in the afternoon, um, and they got me to go up and pray for someone at the front. Um, and whilst I was doing that, three women came over to me and said, we feel like God's saying, we need to pray for you. So I said, yeah, okay, go for it. Um, and they did the same thing. They said something that I'd never shared with anyone. They just, I, there's no way of anyone else again knowing. So I knew that was God again. Since then, have you changed? I'd say I have. I do a lot more things to do with going up in front of people and sharing my faith, which I never have thought to do before because I, was, I felt like I was such a new Christian that I didn't have the knowledge to go around and say to people what... I thought that um, I realised that that's not the case, like anyone can go and speak to anyone. Um, just, yeah, for me, that was the pinnacle point for me. Do you think you've been empowered with any spiritual gifts? So when it first happened, everyone said that I had the gift of prophecy and I didn't really understand what that meant at all. Um, it was only when um, I read the book over the summer and had a little bit of people explain to me that I fully understood what it was and started realising that like, when I was praying, some pictures were coming into my head and if I did say to someone, I have this picture, most likely people were like, oh, okay, actually, yeah, that, that fits really. So I think that was the gift that I was given. Brilliant. I hope you could all hear that from the back. Um, it was lovely to hear Amy's experience of what had happened to her this year. And what I love is that since she's had this experience, her faith has come more fully alive. And also that God used someone else's gift of prophecy to ignite that gift within her, which she's now experiencing and sharing with other people. So in conclusion... I'm sure we'd all agree that love and service are the hallmarks of a lived out faith. Or maybe you're not someone with a faith, but I'm sure you too would agree that love and service are pretty crucial to making the world go round. 
So we can try and do this whole thing in our own strength. And we'll, get, we'll certainly get somewhere this way. But if we really want to experience the fullness of life for ourselves and understand the identity that has been bestowed upon us, and if we really want to see the kingdom of God advance through us, we need to make letting the Spirit empower and equip us a daily experience.